This episode is brought to you by MeBank, the bank built and supported by industry super funds. Ever wondered about getting a better deal on your home loan? Well, it might be time to get in touch with MeBank. Whatever your investment strategy, you'll find a loan that's right for you with competitive rates and flexible home loan options. So stop wondering and start saving. Call MeBank on 131 563 or visit mebank.com.au. Terms and conditions apply. Now here's the show. If you've got a property portfolio now, now's actually a really, really good time to you know, negotiate with the banks, ask them to reprice it, threaten to leave because they're definitely chasing for business and they'll come back with a better discount. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors, find out more about their stories, mindset and strategy. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're returning with a special conversation with mortgage broker and property investor Michael Shah, one year later. From him, you'll find out why Shah chose to create Fern Roots for his portfolio in Queensland and the great news for investors regarding new changes from APRA and much more. Diving straight into the fundamentals of his strategy and how he has been able to help his clients through his mortgage breaking business, Shah continues his story from where we left off a year ago, where his limiting resource has alternated over time. So in terms of the strategy, I would say the first thing that we would delve into is figuring out what your limiting resource in property investing is. I remember on the last podcast on your show, we briefly spoke about that there's two resources that you use in property investing. One is how much servicing or borrowing capacity that you have from the banks. And the second one is how much equity, how much savings that you have. So between those two resources, it's never equal. You've always got one more than the other. And from your perspective, or with the help of a mortgage broker, is figuring out which one is your limiting resource because then you would spend all your time and energy on correcting the one that was holding you back from investing. So I'll kind of give you in terms of my story on how that's evolved over time. So when I first started property investing, you, I've, got a, I've got a single income, um, don't have a lot of debt. And at that time, then I was definitely equity constrained. So I had the borrowing capacity from the banks and this was pre-APRA days. So lending was a little bit easier back then, but I lacked the equity and the savings to really progress forward. So the way that I accelerated my property portfolio was to do renovations. So very early on, I did three renovations back to back, two in Newcastle and one in Nambucca Heads. And because of those renovations, I managed to create equity, pull out the equity, and then use that to then purchase more properties, therefore using up my servicing. After I purchased more and more properties, I came to the other end of the spectrum where I was limited in terms of my servicing. So I started to have equity start to build up in those properties, but I couldn't extract them from the lenders anymore and I couldn't borrow anymore. So at that time, I knew I had to work on my serviceability, my income position before I could then progress my journey. So at that point, I was sitting at 14 properties and this is when I decided to hand in my resignation, quit my corporate job and then start my mortgage broking career. And then solid for two years after that, it was really just focusing on the business. 
I knew that if I could help grow the business to a strong enough financial position, then I could extract the equity from my property portfolio and then use that to then continue growing. That was three years ago. Now, he has progressed and is looking to generate more equity to continue onwards and upwards. So, that was three years ago. So, fast forward three years, the business is in a really good position. We've actually managed to extract all the equity from the existing property portfolio and now I've used that equity to then go ahead and then buy again. So, you can see that throughout the journey at different points, different resources was limiting me. So, at the beginning, it was how much equity that I had. But then I started to build up equity and then I lacked servicing. So then I focused on the serviceability through the income of the business. And then now at the moment, I'm actually going for equity plays where I can generate more equity. So to help me go forward further. So those two resources are never in equal. So if you can identify the resource that's limiting your journey, then that will help you progress forward. In terms of numbers, Shah's portfolio has not just grown but has been carefully trimmed and pruned to 20 properties. You know, going back and forth, I'm like, look, I want to hit number 20 just so it sounds really good. <laughs> and um, and I'm, I'm very happy to say that my 20th property settled yesterday. So, we've actually booked this in at the perfect time. <laughs> so, 20 properties, the total value is around about 9.7 mil. And the um, loan that I have across the board is at about 6.4. So equity position, a touch over, a touch over 3.3 mil. Fantastic. Okay. So that's quite a lot of equity to be able to play with. What are your plans then with this equity that you're, you've got right now? Are you Actually, firstly, are you able to draw that equity out? For a lot of the loans, I've actually taken up to 80%. So in, so in this round of buying, I've actually refinanced a lot of my loans, pulled up the equity position up to 80%. And now I've just got that equity sitting in offset. So if I come across a good deal, then I'm ready to jump at it. So at the moment, I'm just waiting and ready. Um, I picked up four recently. And if there's any good deals that come up, then yeah, I'll definitely make a play at it. So what can he do with the equity here's available? So with that equity, the bank hold 20% of it. Yeah. So it, so it won't be the full 3.3 that I can use. So at the moment, in terms of all the equity and that I've pulled out, Aside from the ones that I've used already, there's about a million dollars worth of equity sitting there. So that's what I'll be using to buy other properties. So if you're looking at that, I guess using 80% lend, it's probably about another $5 million worth of properties I can add to the portfolio. Of course, I won't do that overnight. I'll use this, you know, really watch the market. At the moment, you know, there's quite a few opportunities out there. Also, there's a little bit murmurs in the market that, you know, could be turning a little bit in certain areas. So, who knows? I think just at the moment, just wait and see. But yeah, have that equity to go and buy more properties. One of the properties in his portfolio is in a developing area, Macquarie Park of New South Wales, which is speculated to have an estimate value of $1.6 million. So I don't know if I've actually mentioned this unit to you previously, but it's in the strip that's adjacent to Macquarie Park Shopping Centre. And in that strip, there's been massive developments going on. And the complex that we're in, we were actually featured about six months ago in the financial review where all the owners are going to band together and sell it as kind of like a joint, like a joint sell to a developer. Yeah, so the prices that's been banded around the owners have been double the market value. So so the market value is about eight to nine hundred thousand. We know that neighboring units across the road have sold for that amount. Our complex is quite large. It's got like 80 plus owners on it. 
So at the moment, we're kind of just sitting and waiting with the city market trending backwards now a little bit. I don't know if it will happen this cycle, maybe it will happen next cycle. But if that did take place, then yeah, that's kind of like the value that everyone will be looking at before they actually sell the property. Initially purchasing this property on Herring Road for around $490,000 eight years ago, Shah considered a lucky investment. I mean, I, uh, I purchased it in 2010 and at that time, I knew nothing about property investing. Um, I definitely got lucky in that sense, but it kind of like goes to show that one of the old sayings in property investing is location, location, location. And without me really knowing about it, this unit is five minutes walk to Macquarie Shopping Centre, to the university there, and also to the train station. And along that strip, it's recently been changed for the zoning to much higher density. That's why a lot of these apartments have started to go up and they're like very, very high, you know, 20, 30 stories. So that's why the um, location, location really plays a part in it. So from that perspective, it's kind of like, if I had my time again, I would have happily bought more of it, but kind of made a mistake and also just kind of like fell into it. But no, it's worked out very well. And with a lot of development occurring in that immediate area, it's showing every possibility of increasing in value soon. I don't know if it will happen this cycle now because so many apartments have gone up in that area and just purely from a traffic congestion perspective, it's hard to see an area take more development. But hey, look, I think just based on that location, if it's not this cycle, possibly next cycle. So eventually it will happen when it does, I don't know. But in the meantime, we'll just hold on to it. In Shah's more recent investments, he has been looking at more potential for capital growth and development opportunities due to his current situation, where it's more servicing power. At the moment, the borrowing capacity, I have enough to continue to borrow for these properties. So the cash flow isn't as important when I was in my corporate role. So because of that, I've started to pick up properties that are on larger block sizes. So recently picked up two houses on 4,000 square meters and with subdivision potential for seven blocks. Um, so the cash flow on those isn't great. So I'll give you um, numbers. The first one that I picked up, I got it for 750000 and it only rents now for $370 a week. So from a cash flow perspective, it's terrible. But from a future development potential equity gain, then it's very, very good. So that also helps to um, – the cash flow from my earlier properties helps to offset that. So across the board – if you have a couple of properties with that capital growth potential, then in the long run, that's what then will aid you to become a bit more financially free. And I have another one that's quite similar, picked it up for $830,000 um, and it rents for, let me just check here, rents for $610 uh, per week. Coming up after the break, we'll delve into how Shah is working towards his goals for passive recurring income through his property portfolio. So ultimately, I would like to be have a very, very strong recurring income stream to get there. Then, you know, we have to leverage up a little bit more also to create equity through these properties. Deliver some good news for investors regarding new changes from APRA. Any loan above 80% had to be P&I, uh, principal and interest for investment loans. Now, CBA have actually come back into the market to allow above 80% to be interest only, which is really, really good for investors. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. This episode is brought to you by MeBank, a different kind of bank built and supported by industry super funds. You could be getting a better deal on your home loan by getting in touch with MeBank. They offer competitive rates in two loan types. 
one with a range of features including the ability to fix your rate and have multiple offset accounts, and another that's nice and simple with no ongoing fees. Both loans provide the flexibility of interest only or principal and interest. So, whatever your investment strategy, you'll find a home loan that's right for you. Stop wondering and start saving by giving MeBank a call on 131563 or visit mebank.com.au. Terms and conditions apply. Now back to the show. With a good portfolio in place, Shah's target for the long term has remained consistent to generate passive and recurring income. He has achieved this goal by investing into larger blocks of land that he can subdivide and also renovate. I guess at the moment now, it's almost like a numbers game. It's just, um, you know, like it's it's fun in terms of building this property portfolio. It's not really specifically like a goal at the end of it. It's um, For me, the ultimate goal is still passive and recurring income. I want to make sure that in terms of my time, it's not constrained to... Uh, money. It's um and you know unfortunately with um what I was doing before with corporate, um you're essentially just trading your time for money. So I want to get in a position where that's no longer the case. So ultimately, I would like to be have a very very strong recurring income stream to get there. Then you know we have to leverage up a little bit more also to create equity through these properties. So if you ask me in terms of direct next steps, essentially like. I will buy anything that I can find a good deal in. So at the moment, I'm seeing they're kind of falling into two different spectrums. So one of them is the larger block sizes. So around about 4,000 square meters can get six to seven blocks out of them. I'll happily pick up those. Uh, Probably won't pick up too many of those, mainly just because they'll really hit your cash flow position. And the other properties that I'm starting to pick up a little bit more is just renovators. So your cheapies that you can add some value to, once you renovate it, they still give you a very good cash uh, flow, so between 6 to 7% return. So those are the other two purchases that I picked up recently. They were just cheapies around the Logan area, could do a very quick renovation and then get them on the market for rent. Oh, excellent. And how much time would you say this is actually taking um, to actually look for these kind of deals and then also how much time is it taking you to also run your business? I would say that in terms of um, time, the majority of my time is all invested in the business. Um, the time on the property side of things, um, there definitely is headaches. Like, you know, I would be naive to say that, you know, going into property investing, they won't be headaches. But if you looked at it purely from an hour to hour basis, it's not comparable to running your own business. I guess that's the thing that I like about property investing too. Upfront, it's quite time intensive. So finding the property, setting it up, organising the the, um, renovation and also getting the property rented out, that takes a little bit of time. But once you've got that done and kind of set aside, then in the future, it will then just continue to pay you for its lifetime. So from that perspective, yeah, the majority of my time is still spent on the business. Yeah. And I guess that, that makes sense because setting up anything, especially when it's going to have recurring income, takes a lot of hard work right at the beginning. And that's with anything, buying into property, we kind of know that. But obviously, with a business, it's an ongoing kind of thing because you've obviously got to be active in the business to help your clients and so forth. And you definitely need both. It's just like, you know, you need the passive income component and also the assets that continue to grow over time. But to also support that and fund that, you still need a cash flow basis and the business is part of that to grow the property portfolio. So they both go hand in hand. As for the areas he's currently focusing on, Shah elaborates on why he chose Queensland as the basis for his portfolio. 
I know when I sent through kind of like the summary and also the property portfolio, I mean, all of the recent purchases were in Queensland and specifically Logan. And I'm like, in the back of my mind, I do want to move out from Logan. I mean, I don't want to just be a one-trick pony and have all of my investments in Logan. And I completely understand that. And the funny thing was, when I was recently buying, I was actually looking heavily in Geelong. And I don't know if um, your listeners have been looking into Geelong. I'm I'm sure they have been. Uh, But I remember about six to 12 months ago, you could easily pick up something anywhere between the 250 to the 290 mark in areas like Karai, Norlane and those types of areas. And when I wanted to buy there myself, they'd already gone up to like 330, 350. So within the space of, you know, six to 12 months, they've grown like 10, 15%. And the only issue at that time too is the cash flow. The rental return is still between 270 to 290 per week for a standard three-bedroom home. So when I crunch the numbers and from a cash flow perspective, and also a future potential just because I couldn't add too much value to those types of purchases, then that's kind of like the reason why I shied away from um, from um, Geelong. But look, at the end of the day, I'll happily buy anywhere. I think part of the reason why I ended up picking up more of it in Queensland, specifically Logan, is because I know that area very well. I'm based on the Gold Coast for a big portion of the year. So anytime I'm around the area or see a deal, it's very accessible for me. I've got a lot of clients buying in North Brisbane, and I'm also a big fan of the Morden Bay Council, but just from a logistic perspective and also knowledge perspective, ultimately, it just depends on the deal. I find that you can buy anywhere. You can buy in Geelong, Morden Bay, Logan, Ipswich, any of those areas and do well from it, but you really need to be an expert in the market and make money on the way in. So I think because of my knowledge and also my connections, it's very much tied to Logan, so that's why I've tended to gravitate towards there. He also prefers to buy in Queensland and it is easier to manage all his properties if they are in the same region. He's able to acquire better service from property professionals in the area and his properties there have been performing very well. And I'm saying that, you know, there's a couple of other reasons behind it too. It's like one of it is like economies of scale. So if you have a lot of properties in a certain area, then in managing it just like from a kind of logistics perspective, it becomes a little bit easier. Also, from a negotiation perspective to your property managers, because you hold a large portfolio there, you definitely get more of a say and you can, you know, request for better service. And, you know, that definitely plays a part in it. But ultimately, like, it just depends on the deal. So, um, and also based on the numbers, um, at the moment, um, a lot of the other areas have started to move, like Geelong's moved quite a bit. And Morden Bay has moved quite a bit too. But with Logan, just over the last three, four years, it hasn't really done its thing. And I remember when we you know, first started chatting, if you spoke to me then and go, Michael, do you think you'll be buying Logan in 2018? I'll say absolutely not because by 2018, I would have hoped that the market had moved. But at the moment, the market hasn't moved that much and you're still getting very good prices on properties where you know, within 30, 35 kilometres of the CBD, rental returns for six to six and a half percent and the prices haven't moved in almost 10 years. So from that perspective, I still think it's good buying. But when the numbers don't make sense anymore, then yeah, I'll move on to the next area. So why hasn't Logan moved in the past 10 years? Prior to like a couple of years ago, Brisbane in general hadn't moved. Um, So ever since um, 2008, 2009 with the GFC and the really big flood in Brisbane, prices haven't moved. Now, closer to Brisbane CBD and also in Morden Bay, it's definitely started to recover. 
Um, I know that clients looking on the ground in Morden Bay actually say it's quite hot, like anywhere between eight to 10 um, parties at each open home and offer prices higher than the listing. And I know within Brisbane CBD, million dollar um, sales on properties is starting to become more frequent. So the rest of Brisbane is definitely starting to recover. I think what's holding back Logan is one, it's very much investor driven. And with all the lending restrictions happening from APRA over the last four months, that's definitely called the market. So the investors that used to be buying, you know, four, five, six or plus more properties, they can't get their lending anymore. And these were the people that were buying in Logan. So that's why it's pulled that market back. I feel in the long run, when that kind of market changes, when over time it becomes a little bit more owner-occupier, kind of similar to what Western Sydney has gone through, gone, gone through that gentrification process, it will improve it. But at the moment, because there's a lack of investors in the market and it's very much an investor-driven um, market there, it's um, definitely slowed it down a little bit. But you know I'm saying that if a property is well-priced, it's still being sold. However, in the long run, he feels the Logan market will start to move due to the infrastructure becoming more and more accessible over time. I find every time I go there that it's you know fairly busy, there's road work going on. I do find the drive south going from Brisbane to Logan to be a much easier drive than going north. So I feel the infrastructure is there. I think it's just with the timing of the market, with the APRA um, changes happening in the lending space, that's what's pulled it back. So. I think in the long run, it will definitely, you know, it's just from a location perspective, it's a matter of time. And the um, Brisbane, um, you know, the um, the um, Brisbane City Council and, you know, those types of areas, there's um, definitely, you know, more of a push to put more people into Logan. I am no Logan City Council is like um, increasing the um, number of um, kind of homes in um, the area to kind of soak up that demand. So at the moment, I just feel it's just a matter of time. Talking of changes in the atmosphere, Shah says there is some good news for investors. So some of the things that have actually pulled back a little bit is kind of like the enforcement on interest-only lending. So prior, so some examples prior, any loan above 80% had to be P&I, principal and interest for investment loans. Now CBA have actually come back into the market to allow above 80% to be interest-only, which is really, really good for investors. And I know the um, 10% lending cap for investment loans, the um, growth, the um, 10% cap has also been removed. So I feel from that perspective, banks would chase for investment lending a little bit harder. But in terms of, say, borrowing capacity and making it easier to borrow and to be able to lend more money, there hasn't been any changes in that space just yet. Despite this, he believes it is a really good time for investors to negotiate with the banks. I think from like a rate perspective, like it's definitely like banks, you can tell are starting to chase for a little bit more business. Like I'll like I give you an example. In the three years that I've been doing mortgage broking, the discounts that the banks are starting to give on variable rates is the best I've ever seen it. So if you've got a property portfolio now, now is actually a really, really good time to you know negotiate with the banks, ask them to reprice it threaten to leave because they're definitely chasing for business and they'll come back with a better discount. So it's actually a really, really good time to get the rates down. And also, if you're getting new loans, banks are actually chasing for that type of business a little bit more. So it's good from that perspective, but being able to borrow more or the um, investors that are wanting to grow a larger portfolio, it hasn't quite changed anything on that front just yet. 
So inspired by Shah's good news for investors, we'll continue the conversation in a future episode on property investory, where we'll discuss his strategy on financing a portfolio and future-proofing your growth. So generally with our clients, we start with the major banks. Once the major banks turn around and say, nope, no more money for you, then maybe you use another tier of lenders and then you will then use the third tier of lenders, which are the easiest, and then keep going down that chain. His advice on the best areas to invest in? Pick that area and really study it for two or three months. When you get to that level of knowledge, then you can then kind of beat the other investors that are also looking in the area and also to pick up a good deal. And that's next time in a future episode of Property Investory. If you love the show and you're ready to get serious about saving on your home loan, give MeBank a call. MeBank is the bank built by industry super funds, famous for their competitive rates and flexible home loan options. So, whatever your investment strategy, you'll find the loan that's right for you. Call MeBank on 131-563 or visit mebank.com.au. Terms and conditions apply.